I'm Sarah Vine and this is Sarah Vine's Female Half Hour from Mail Plus. I'm joined this week, as every week, by my friend and co-host, Imogen Edwards-Jones, who has a bit of a hangover. <laughs> so, yes, I'm not very chatty, yeah. so which is bad for a podcast, we, you I'd had, say. Did you have a book launch last night? I did night? have a book launch last night, Did like, you yes. launch your book? I did, in the Daunts. In Daunts. Daunts. And it was a star-studded. It was it quite was glamorous, actually, actually. really glamorous. So not only... Did you have a blow dry, which surprised me because no one has ever seen you with a blow dry. Yes, clean hair, uh, amazing. Clean hair. Fergie, not the black eyed peas, Fergie. No, the uh, lovely Duchess of York. The Duchess of York. Yes, I have worked with her, so that's yes. why she turned up. She's very um, supportive of James the James Purefoy, the actor who I never The met. most handsome man in the world. He's too handsome. I actually, <laughs> I, I was introduced to him by your husband and... I started talking to him and I thought I've got to actually go because I can't carry on talking to him because he's too handsome and I probably just snot or something. Yes. Do something embarrassing. He, I met him when when you employed me years ago as mm. Artie Animal at the Times mm. and he did freely admit last night that he used to call me Ingrid just to annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was really mean. I said, why did you call me Ingrid? Because well, I, I knew it, it would annoy you. It irritated you intensely. Yes, you used to write a diary column about the arts world, which yes, is very it, funny, actually. Yeah, we had fun. Um, who else was there who was famous? David Cameron was there. David Samantha Cameron. Was there. Samantha Cameron. Uh, um, Claudia Winkleman. Claudia Winkleman was there, yes. Uh, Zandra Armstrong. Yes. Yasmin Le Bon. Yasmin Le Bon. Yes. I didn't see her. Oh, she's terribly pretty. And your lovely daughter who was serving the canapes. She was, It yes. was really nice. It was lovely. It, it was, was a really nice party and very glamorous, I mean, for a book launch. Yes, and I had very nice vodka as well. Mm, free vodka. Yes, free vodka. Yes, so that was good. That's excellent. Yes. Um, so all in all, yes, it was good. Anyway, the book is called Have You Got Anything Stronger? Crikey. <laughs> I must say that. You have to remember that. It's actually really funny. I have read quite a lot of it. And not all of it. But You've I, not finished it yet. No, I haven't finished it yet. It gets very sad at the end. Oh, no, really? Mm. Oh, because at the yes. moment it's rollicking. Yes. Oh, no, it turns. Oh, gosh. Yes. Okay, well, maybe you might I won't cry. It then. Oh, no. Yes, you go from laughing to crying. That is it's the, the full gamut story. of emotions. Yes, exactly. Okay, exactly. Does, is there a happy ending? I'm not telling you that. Oh, okay, fine, fine, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, we're going to talk some more about your book anyway, mm. because we're going to be joined by Georgina Moore, who worked in publishing for 20 years before mm. making the switch from selling books to writing them and has got a bestseller in the Sunday Times Top 10. You've been a bestseller a few times. I have. You've really got to mark those. Yeah. Because nobody else cares, No, your downstairs you. is full of them. Yeah, well, yeah, but you've really, you have to cut them out and frame them. Yeah. Because when you're low and miserable, which is often, you can look at them and think, yeah. actually, I wasn't an abject failure <laughs> my entire life. <laughs> Lo and behold, in 20... 21. <laughs> I did something interesting. I did something interesting for one week. And yeah, because it's budget day today, this comes out tomorrow, we're going to do a little thing with Alice Beer, who oh, is I a, love. Fine, she's a brilliant finance expert. And she's also going to talk to us about duty-free shopping and how you can save an absolute fortune by going backwards and forwards on ferries. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant. I can't wait. As our listeners know, we like a book on this show. We do like a book, yes. And so we had a bit of a dilemma because Imogen, who is sitting next to me, has mm. got a book out. And we thought about how do we do Imogen's book? Mm. And then we had all these ideas about doing it in a sort of subtle way. And then I just <laughs> I just decided that the best thing to do is to just do Imogen's book. Yes. But we thought just talking about your book, Imogen, would be Quite dull. Much. No, not quite dull because <laughs> it is very funny. Quite dull. So we're joined today by Georgina Moore, who has also written a brilliant book, which is 
a Sunday Times bestseller. So it I is. thought that would sort of offset your yes, guilt about yes. basically <laughs> monopolising your own show to talk about your own I know, book. showing off. And um, also, by the way, just before we start, Georgina and I go back a very, very, well, yes. very long way. Good, yeah, excellent. Long way. So I'll just go to the yeah. loo and you can just do the joke. <laughs> but um, Georgina, thanks for joining us. From your oh, houseboat, lovely. which is you've got an office houseboat, which I, I think do. is really one up from an office shed. It is a bit, isn't it? I definitely have a sort of fantasy about living on a houseboat yeah I think I, did you nearly go and buy I one I did I'm yes. sure that when you're when it's November and you know <laughs> what's it like in November it, when it like? it's pouring with rain is it all right yeah I mean it is nicer when the weather's good um <laughs> to be honest but the actual houseboat that we live in is really mm. it's I hate to sort of demystify it but it actually is more like a house because it's kind of two stories and it doesn't have an engine or anything so you've got two houseboats you've got a main houseboat and a little office houseboat I You're have kind of queen of houseboats really and yeah. she also <laughs> holidays in a houseboat yeah. do, you, do you like <laughs> in houseboats? the Isle of Wight <laughs> where her book is set Georgina yeah. do you like houseboats <laughs> I do people have been really teasing me and calling me three boats three boats <laughs> Georgina which I think I think is being a bit rude yeah no we've got the Garnet Girls is set on the Isle of Wight it and is yes it's been our happy place for for quite a long time now we've had a houseboat there which we rent out in the sea it's it's sitting in the harbour in Bembridge so it's got a view out over the harbour and that was why when I was stuck in lockdown I couldn't go anywhere I couldn't go to the island was missing the lovely beaches Mm. I decided to set my book there and it was almost like I was sort of living vicariously dreaming of the beaches. Can I just ask a really boring technical question Mm. how does it work when you've got a houseboat on a tidal thing? (laughs) Does it go up and yeah. down with the tide? It does. Does that, does it that does. make you feel a bit sick ever? Because it would no, make. Not so, she's called sturdy, so that will give you a sense of quite oh, how okay. kind of solid yeah. she is. She's got a, a Thames lighter hull. She yeah. lifts up on the tide off the bottom for. It's usually only about an hour. And so sometimes you miss it completely. So mm. and, and you so it's not as though all your furniture suddenly slides no, to one no, side. No, I, I couldn't cope with that. Sorry. <laughs> and also, if you've had a couple of glasses of wine, does it feel a little bit discombobulating? Yeah. My a mother bit. doesn't love it. I remember her coming I for bet. Christmas, and it was really, it was really stormy. So I just gave her loads of champagne and made yes. her sort of sit on a chaise long. And soon she didn't notice. Do you come from a boating <laughs> dynasty or something, Regina? <laughs> just no, out of not. interest. No, no, not at all. I don't know. No, not no boating dynasty here. It's just, I think it's probably that you live in a very close community. So Tags Island is, you know, 62 boats. We all know each other. There are some fantastic, lovable eccentrics. And Where is Tags Island? So it's just down from Hampton Court Palace. It's an island in the Thames. So I think when you've lived that way, it's very hard to imagine going back to living any other ways. It's sort of mm. like a floating village, really. Mm. Okay, well, look, should we stop talking about houseboats and talk about your book? <laughs> yes, yes, that's probably a better I mean, idea. I'd actually like to talk some more about houseboats, but I think probably we should talk about the book. Let's talk about Imogen's book. Now, no, Im- don't do no, mine. Let's no. do George's so, first. Imogen had a book launch last night. Yes, George Georgina. was invited, but George she was too busy launching her own book. Probably on a boat somewhere. She was probably it looked on a boat. amazing. Um, so Imogen's it. maybe a tiny bit hungover. She's also had a blow dry, which has never happened before, and I've known Imogen for... <laughs> I think 30 years. I don't think I've ever seen you with a Do you know dry. what made me laugh last night? About 65 people came up to me and oh my God, what's happened to your hair? And I went, it's clean. I had actually washed it, which is rare. Yeah, I've never seen it like that. No. It looks extraordinary. Yes. It um, looks gorgeous in the photos, Imogen. Oh, looks thank you. Gorgeous. 
Yeah. Thank you, my love. She well, does much scrub up last well. night. <laughs> but both the books are about families, aren't they? Yes, they are about families. George's, well, that's very clever of you to actually find it's, a similarity. I'm super at that sort of thing, me. <laughs> if I could find another thing, we could have a whole feature to <laughs> write about it. Because if you get three things. I think there's loads in similar, isn't there? Because <laughs> yeah. they're both about families. They're both about the truth of family mm. life mm. and emotional damage in families. Yes. Um, relationships when they get hard that what happens after happily ever after and also yes. let's not forget the reliance on alcohol <laughs> that is absolutely true is that a thread <laughs> that unites both the books Definitely. Georgina Definitely. I'm sorry I haven't read your book I should, I should worry, apologize, but I will do Georgina's book is beautiful okay well, it's very very beautiful it. and it does really evoke the Isle of Wight which I've only been to once I have to say but I, it is a beautiful beautiful I went place. to the Isle of Wight once and I liked it an awful lot mm. and I spent all my time in those funny little sort of old-fashioned seaside slot machine places. Really? Um, and then also <laughs> I bought a stuffed bird. Did you? Yes. Were you having some there sort of mental breakdown? There were some nice breakdown? antique shops there. I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, the Isle of Wight in the Garnet Girls isn't really that Isle of Wight. Somebody told me that they thought I'd rather made it into the Hamptons. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, it does feel like the Hamptons. I can see you've got sort of white boarding behind you. It's, it feels yeah, very yeah. like that. So you're the posh Isle of Wight, are you? I mean, the Garnet Girls are definitely yes. posh. So what's posh. the story? Tell us quickly just the plot of the Garnet sure. Girls. So the Garnet Girls are three sisters. And when they were very young, their father abandoned them. They were very small children. He was an alcoholic. And the mother, Margot, who's a bit of a piece of work, very charismatic, very much in the heart and in control of her family, never spoke of him again. He was the great love of her life. It's a kind of epic love. And so the children grow up into these women who have sort of had to fill the spaces of absence with Mm. ideas and imaginings and the secrecy around their father. And it's about how this has affected their relationships and their relationships with each other. And it's also a little bit about how Margot would love them to settle down with ordinary, safe, calm, kind men. So the opposite of the sort of... Yeah, the opposite of the drunk, sexy poet who was their Mm. father. But of course, the girls don't want to take romantic advice from their mother. So it's about the push-pull of mothers and daughters. But also with Margot, I really wanted to portray an older female protagonist Mm. because I feel like often we don't see them in the pages of novels Mm. and not one that's sexy and still having parties and Mm. still really being the main character. Well, your main character is basically you, isn't it, Imogen? (laughs) Sorry. Brilliant. It it. is really. (laughs) It's not really because she's a bit more damaged and miserable than I am. Okay. She's, she's, she's. No, 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 obviously it's not. Yes, obviously. And, and, you know, she doesn't. But there are a lot of, I mean, this is the difficulty with writing contemporary fiction, I think, Mm. is often you end up drawing on your own life. So uh, a lot of the conversations in that, in my book, are. Verbatim conversation. There was a very, there was a very funny bit in Imogen's book where it's Mother's Day. Oh yes, and (laughs) she gets breakfast in bed, which consists of marmite on toast with no butter, which is literally should be illegal. It is illegal. But it's that thing where people think they're doing nice things for you, but actually they're just creating more creating more chaos. I mean, I do think that older women and middle-aged women are having a bit of a moment. I think they are. Don't you think in publishing? I think it's partly to do with the fact that our generation has been the first generation to really stick in the workplace, like in in big, huge numbers. And so I think we're quite influential in terms of 
soft power in mm. terms of culture. Mm. And I think, you know, we're interested in our own stories. We've the, also got purchasing power. Yes. The middle-aged lady pound yeah. is actually yes. worth pursuing. Yeah, because but, we can earn our own money. Yes. So I think that's an um, interesting idea that we're not a sort of moribund market. So I think our issues and our sort of concerns and the things that we go through, having always been considered to be incredibly dull and uninteresting mm. because we were just old, un invisible women, mm -hmm. are suddenly much more relevant. Mm. I mean, Georgina, you used to obviously publish books and be an yeah. agent. Do you think this is a trend? Basically, the book buyers, 40 to 70 female, are propping up the whole of the publishing industry. I mean, mm. they are the main book buying force. So for them not to be represented in characters in novels is frankly ridiculous. I mean, who, mm. you know, we've got coming of age, coming out of our ears. I mean, the girls in my book, the daughters are in their 30s, which I personally think is a very crunch time for women, much more so than 20 something. It's when your mm. pressure is on you to make decisions about career. Are you going to have a baby? Society is telling you not to run out of time. Are you with the right person? So I think just as we go through from 30s, 40s, 50s, there's just a lot to talk about, a lot to write about, mm. in my opinion. And just thinking of this area, I think you're right, Sarah, there is a trend. I don't know whether either of you have read Amazing Grace Adams by Fran Littlewood. It was a no. debut out. Yeah, you'd both love it. It's about a menopausal woman who goes on the rampage. And <laughs> What's the awesome rampage? What, she just goes out and buys a lot of she's, Emma Bridgewater. She's fallen, out. <laughs> she's fallen out with her teenage daughter and she wants to win her back. She wants to win her husband back. So she goes on this incredible road trip to win them all back. But it's just brilliant. It's funny. It's brilliant. What's it called again? Amazing Grace Adams by Fran Littlewood. And so I think you're right. And I think with TV as well and with flawed older female characters as well, mm. not trying to pretend they're all perfect or yeah. sitting in the corner wearing a cardigan being a grandma. I yeah. think there is a definite trend for that, which is such good news. Well, it is. I yes. mean, if you think of Happy Valley, Happy that's Valley really, yeah. and yeah. Sarah Lancashire mm. and all of those actresses, mm. it just feels like it's no longer a surprise to see yourself represented yes. on TV or in a book. Whereas yes. 10 years ago, I think it was a bit, actually. Yes. Well, it was almost like television presenters. Yeah. So the idea, once you get it over the age of 40, you can yeah. pop, pop off. Yeah. Now, actually, they are, yeah. they're they keeping the elderly lady. But also, the, what's I, what I like more. about our age group and our, you know, women our age is that we're quite wise. Mm. And we're also, by contrast, a sort of younger generation we're not as kind of black and white about the world mm. everything is sort of shades of gray because yeah. we, we've understood mm -hmm. that and a lot of it even the bad stuff is quite funny and that's what I like about your book Imogen is that it really is <laughs> hilarious I mean genuinely hilarious it makes you laugh all the time thank you which is not great if you're a lady of a certain age I oh, know that's true <laughs> <laughs> but it is funny and it's important because the thing is I think you learn you know if you don't laugh you cry in life most of the time don't you so yes that is true I also think people need to be entertained of course they I do. think uh, I mean otherwise what's the point of sitting down with mm. a book I think people's I mean I don't know what you find George I think people's attention spans are so much shorter than they used to be that mm -hmm. I think the books that we used to sell 20 years ago I don't think many people would read them now mm. what do you mm, it's think, interesting yeah, I think that's right. And I think you've got to, I, someone said to me about my writing, and you never know when, you've, when you're a debut, you don't really know what your writing mm. is like yet. You're just discovering. But your writing, Georgina, is a Sunday Times bestseller. You're a bestseller in my <laughs> so, darling. Oh, I think you're oh, very good. <laughs> bless you. But no, someone said to me, oh, you're escapist, but not sentimental. 
And I thought, oh, yeah, I really like that because you can write commercial escapist fiction while dealing with the gritty stuff of life. Mm. Why not? And and I think people want it. You know, I think the Garnet Girls has got a tinge of glamour. These are quite glamorous people. Yes, they have, yeah. And there's quite aspirational. And I think it hit at the right time, post-lockdown, post all, you know, all the troubles that we're in and how people are feeling about the world. And I think people do want some fun, as you say, Imogen, and they want some glamour and they want mm. a bit of aspiration. But they don't want to be so, you know, so, what's the word I'm looking off for? You know, soap Soapy. Soapy. So, yeah. Soapy. Soapy. Sort of, yes, sort of kind of soft yeah, and they, sort of silly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they like a bit of an edge. Yeah, they like they a bit of an edge. A bit of an edge yeah. and some wit. Yeah, I agree. I do think that the whole fiction market goes in cycles. Mm. I mean, do you remember that in the olden days, there used to be this thing called Chiclet, yeah. which sold huge yeah. in huge amounts. And then it disappeared and then it became a bad thing yeah. to be. A bad, yeah. Uh, yeah. a bad thing. And now I think there is this thing that you can write commercial fiction and commercial fiction should be embraced. Mm. And I think people just want to sell some bloody books. I mean, I just yeah. think, I think, I think the thing is that this idea of literary fiction, which is quite a male-dominated thing, oh, isn't it? Yeah. It's funny how men don't seem to write funny books. Well, but there's Bernie Marge very, and Amos. But, that's I, but, but yes, but his his humor his humor is. I mean, I think Doctor Will self that he thinks he writes very funny. There's books. Some, there's something yeah. about the sort of middle aged woman who's very self deprecating and yeah. can see her own flaws, and has learned to deal with life's vicissitudes by just having a drink and a laugh. Yes, that's the sort of space yes. that we're in. But it's also about friendship. I yes, think absolutely. friendship. Your book yes. is also a lot about friendship. I think female friends are well in my world. They're the absolute essential. Mm. That's mm. the thing I'm most most passionate about. Yeah. I think, is your friends. So, Georgina, what are you doing? Another one because you're so successful with this one. <laughs> I have um, some very clever writers advised me to try and get a first draft because it was a two book deal done. Right. While before um, your first one comes before, out, yeah, which I did manage to do. I'm not sure how I managed it to do because I've got 11 and a 12 year old. I have a full time job running an arts agency, Midas PR, and now doing this. So I think it's going to be a lot harder now we've come out of lockdown. So I just need to get back into that. I, I find that I can just do it if I get up before the house is up. Mm. Uh, and if you still e- got your day job, you're still doing yes. a day, your day, you are. Hmm. How does that feel to be doing both sides of the coin, as it were? I mean, quite interesting to be a publicist and at the same time publicising your own book. It's straight. I'm not sure I've sort of worked out how I feel about it all yet. I think that it made me more, much more sympathetic. I mean, I hope I was never an unsympathetic publicist. But <laughs> certainly the demands, I You were think. always divine. I think the demands on kind of authors are immense mm. and all the elements, if you do all the elements to doing a big, big campaign around your book, it is a lot. It's a full-time job, certainly for that period of time. So I've got more sympathy, but I also have a little bit more impatience because, <laughs> you know, the people that say to you, well, I can't find my tickets. And, you know, now you're not with me. I don't know which train stop I'm getting off. And you're a bit like, oh, come on, because you've done it yourself. You've done it yourself. And I, I just don't know how to work social media. Oh, um, <laughs> come on, we're not, we're not dead yet. So have, I think have any of the people who you thought were good work colleagues surprised mm-hmm. you being the other side? If you well, it, it's really interesting. I obviously won't be too horribly indiscreet. So, mm. Some mostly people have been unbelievable. I was really scared to send the book out 
because I thought everyone would say oh it's just George got the deal because she's George and knows everyone so I was really really worked on it with my agent before it went out because I didn't want it to be seen that way Mm. And so when it did go out, I was really pleased and proud and, you know, happy to be proud of it. So I just think that makes it more stressful because the people who are reading it, you know, and you're waiting for their Oh, It's just horrendous. But people have been so generous. And I think it's probably because they know that I've supported other authors, not just authors I've worked Mm. for. But I've always been, because of of having a good following on social media, I've always been a reader and supportive Mm. readers, whether I'm working with them or not. So I think there's been a bit of, you know, people feel I've put in and Mm. I can take out. But yes, occasionally there's bad manners, isn't there? I'm quite astounded. Yeah, (laughs) I'm very astounded by the bad manners. You know, people who ask for proofs as if you sort of put them out by not giving them one because everyone else has got one and then just Mm. sort of ignore it or go silent on you. That kind of thing has been very interesting. But mostly, I think the book industry has been so kind and generous to me, and I feel very grateful, I have to say. Well, whatever this next one is, we obviously look forward to it. And obviously, it'll be top ten. It'll be a top Sarah, ten. Sarah, you'll love it because it's set on a houseboat island. <laughs> oh, excellent. What's it called, George? I have a working title, but I don't know whether mm. they'll go for it. So it's called Walnut Tree Island. Oh, oh lovely. Very nice. Perfect. Well, there excellent. you go. When's it coming out? I don't know yet because I think that okay. the Garlic Girls is going quite well in hardback so that I, it may be a while. I've had lots of people write to me really sweetly asking about a sequel or a prequel to the Garnet Girls because there are some... Un- oh, that's un- a good idea. Yeah, there are some unsewn up elements, uh, um, people who don't ne- necessarily yes, well, you, get... You should probably go back to the marriage. I'd quite mm. like to see that And also actually. probably you can make quite a good telly show as well. Well, yes. yes, I'm so glad you said that, Sarah. <laughs> can you can you make it? Can you manifest it, Sarah, and make it happen? I don't no, know I think... any telly people really, but we'll try. We can. Yes, I think yes. people Just, are. Actually, Imogen knows a telly person. She's married mm. to a telly. Person. I am married to a television person who yes, resolutely never right. reads any of my books ever. <laughs> As I've told oh, you that helpful. the first ever book. I know. First ever book I wrote, which George actually worked on, called My Canopy Hell. Oh, I, I sent it book. to him. It was really fun. And he sent me back the manuscript and down one side it said CDB. And I went, what's that, what's that mean? He went, could do better. Oh, it's like, <laughs> it's like my other half. I mean, my yeah. other half. Gave, so at which point me... I thought you're never reading another one of my no. books ever again. No, you're banned. Yes. That's, that's awful. Anyway, Georgina, thank you. Thank you for talking to us. Thank you both very much for having me on the podcast. Oh, thank a you. A pleasure. And you must come back. And the book is called The Garnet Girls. Imogen's book, which we haven't yet named, is called Have You Got Anything Stronger mm. by Imogen Edwards-Jones. Yes, I think I had rather too much of that she last night. You had quite a lot of strong things. Stronger last night. Last night. I went quite launch. strong with yes, the stronger. she did. Unfortunately. She did, but it's yeah. fine. Yes, I'm still alive, which You is great. are still alive. Yes. As we know from last week's podcast, you do have the liver of a baby. I do. So it's fine. Yes, I know. Extraordinary, <laughs> yeah. Get, we've got a workout, though. <laughs> <laughs> it did get a workout yeah. last night. Thanks very much, Georgina. Lovely to talk Thank to you. Thank you. And congratulations on being a top 10 Sunday Times bestseller. So we had a budget yesterday. Yes. I can't stand a budget because I'm not very good with numbers. <laughs> anyway, luckily, we're joined by finance expert. Thank, thank God. Consumer finance expert, I should say, Alice yeah. Beer, who is going to talk us through a little bit about the budget and also then give us some super tips on... How to save money at duty free, which is one of my favourite things. That to is do. my favourite place to go. Because we know, don't we, that money spent at duty free is not real money. No, it's like 
broken biscuits have yes. no calories. Yes. I always say to Sarah, it's like when you're travelling, if you eat 65 prawn sandwiches Doesn't and matter. a great big packet of Pringles, <laughs> no calories involved. So that's the same with money and duty-free. Yeah. Alice, thank you for joining oh, us. Oh, you're very welcome. Um, I just clarify, first of all, that I was in the bottom mm. set at school. Oh. oh. Is that just because... Don't hold me up as a maths genius because I'm not. All my school people, school friends, um, listening in and saying, it's a lie. <laughs> it's a lie. She's financially incontinent. <laughs> um, but um, just very briefly, I thought we'd touch on the budget because mm. everyone's going to be talking about it. Mm. I'm quite interested about this commitment from the Chancellor to sort of keep women in work mm. by providing up to 30 hours of free childcare. I think this is quite a big issue because I remember when my children were little, I basically paid to stay in work i remember you saying that do you know what i mean yes. so like it was so yes. expensive yeah. yeah but i felt that if i stopped then i would just never get back into the workplace and that's really interesting because that's one of the things he said yeah he said for many women a career break becomes a career end mm. because then after your children are at school when you, know, when you want to go back in again you can never get back into the same job that you had when you left no because someone with a shorter skirt and higher heels has taken it no that's <laughs> not true but you know what i mean that um for a start well, I had an interesting conversation when I had my twins in 2003 and about a year later when I had aged by about 400 years and I was at home with them all day, every day because various things. I had a conversation with someone who was from Sweden and had mm. birth to triplet boys the same year as me. And she mm. said, but I have somebody come to the house every afternoon for three hours to look after my boy. Mm. You know, that's that's expensive. She said, no, 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 that's what the state provide me with. Somebody coming to my house to look after my children for three hours every afternoon. It's like, gosh, God, I can't. That's luxury. Luxury <laughs> place for my two. Mm. No. Extraordinary. So this is way, way overdue. And we are only just climbing up to become on equal footing that, yes, Scandinavian countries have always been traditionally brilliant at giving out mm. pay high taxes, you get more, at helping mothers. But And I don't know why it is always mothers. It's back to that thing of, did you ever ask your husband to babysit the children? They're his! <laughs> you know? um, it does fall on mothers to... Um, to take care of the childcare often when they're going back to work. So 30 hours of childcare for the under threes, I think is huge, it's significant. And it's going to, yeah, not just physically and practically liberate lots of women from the home, but it's also mentally gonna do so many people so much good. I completely agree. Mm. Just to be themselves. I know, and also I think it will also encourage people to have children. Because I think quite often people don't have children or have only one child mm. because they think, well, there's just no way I can afford all of this cost. You know, I can't yeah. take all this time out of work. Mm. And, you know, we do have a declining workforce and, you know, people are getting older and older and we need some taxpayers coming down the line, really, don't we? Yeah. And so I think, you know, it's quite a good move. Not only will it improve things short term, it's also quite a sensible long term move mm -hmm. to make sure that women don't fall out of the workplace. Because, you know, we, we all go to university and we're all highly trained yes. and all that stuff goes to waste. And it's just yes. such a shame. And that's 50% I mean, of I your do workforce, feel quite strongly. I mean, I just think it's really, I, I mean, I'm really happy about this yeah. because mm. I just think it makes, it's such a sort of vote of confidence it is, it's, for women in the workplace. Yeah, in the right direction. What I'd love to see now is more workplaces offering childcare mm. facilities. Mm. I completely agree with you because I think that's a huge thing. And I think that if they offered tax relief 
to companies to provide nursery settings for the well, like children. Well, sort of cr- uh, creches. Like, and, like uh, creches, yeah. because actually it's a fantastic way. I think I remember when I was younger, when I was writing about this a lot more, I mean, I did do some sort of kind of digging into it. And the main problem is insurance, I think. Because, oh, is it? Because it's so difficult. But then it all comes back because, look, you're providing, the state is providing 30 hours of childcare. And if I'm walking along the road in the morning, I see people dropping off their children, then getting on a tube and spending how many hours of that childcare traveling into work? Exactly. Mm. And if they could have a place, a childcare place next to their place of work, they probably they wouldn't need quite so much tax-funded no. childcare. And also mm. it would mean that you could take your child to work with you, mm. put them in the crash, and then you could go and have a nice lolly with them at about 12.30, yes. which would be better for the child as well. <laughs> I've got to go and have a lolly at 12.30. <laughs> <laughs> lolly. <laughs> a lolly? I don't know. I like lollies. That just yes. well, that's popped into my head. Yes. No, we just go and just... Check up on it. Yes. Anyway. So, much more importantly, that if something did happen or if your child was having a lonely moment or a meltdown, mm. you're round the corner, you're there. And of course, mm. not just a female thing. You know, the parent is there. And none of mm. us have guilt-free parenting. From the minute we get pregnant, we have this guilt mm. that just consumes us. Always, mm. even when they're off at university, we're guilty about something. So just... Not to have to worry or feel guilty about going out and earning money to provide things for them to heat their home or put food on the table for the family would just be a wonderful thing. I mean, getting into the mindset of a mother's brain from pregnancy onwards would tell Mm. lots of people in Parliament a lot about, you know, (laughs) how we want reform. That's a great thing from the budget. Hooray. So well done. So well done, Jeremy. Excellent. Well done, Jeremy. Yes, excellent. Um, So tell me, we wanted to talk about I don't know, we sort of thought because holidays coming up and stuff. Easter holidays. Easter holes. Yes. Some people might be going abroad, duty-free. Mm. I love duty-free. Do you know what? So do I. I, I get quite... I always buy something from the Chanel counter. Yes. Little treat. Like an eyeshadow. Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mainly buy booze just to be really boring. Oh. Isn't that pathetic? Nothing. But is, must... <laughs> it, is it actually quite... Is it actually worth it? I mean, is it good value? Well, because I always seem to think it is. Okay. So I'll run through some prices and then I'll I'll tell you about why I think duty-free is more interesting now than ever before. So yes, a bottle of Gordon's gin, a litre of Gordon's gin would cost you £12. Uh, If you were standing in the Stena Line shop, duty-free shop, Mm. you'd pay £12 for a litre of Gordon's gin. That's 52% Mm. cheaper than the high street. Mm. There will be days soon when we drink Aperol again. That's £13 for a litre, which is 35% cheaper than the high street. And the great thing about Duty Free is it's not that you're um, looking at that and saying, well, yeah, I kind of need one of them. I wonder what that's like. It's the same product. It's the Mm. same product and Mm. it's cheaper. So you can compare like with like and it's cheaper. So what's not to like? And the fact Mm. that it's on a ferry to do it it's just, it adds so many dimensions, not least because you've got a boot. Yeah, I mean, you can just go backwards and forwards between Calais and Dover, <laughs> couldn't you? And what are the limits these days? Okay. Yes, could you fund I mean, the party? Because, because do you remember the, the booze cruises? Day, I was going to say, do you remember booze cruises? But, booze cruises. but it's interesting because I've got a daughter studying in Dublin, which is a joy mm. to all of us. I've got another one in Newcastle and she likes the free litres of gin, but she doesn't have quite so much as, as a need of a present because alcohol is really expensive in Dublin. So mm. when I go to see her, I have to take the dog and I have to take some gin. 
because she wants to see the dog more than she wants to see me. And that's a gift. <laughs> so Holly head to Dublin. It's a fantastic route. It's half the price of a blimmin', you know, once we've got the family on board and everything, it's cheaper and easier than flying. Even Greta Thunberg would get on a ferry. <laughs> you know, it's like riding a bike across central London, but not quite as scary. It's a really low, slow way to travel. Three hours mm. and you're there, basically. You've got your boot. You don't need to hire a car when you get there. You've got your dog on board. It's all very nice. I mean, the Irish Sea can be quite lively. Well, is it? Can, but not. I mean, ferries are different creatures to they used to, you know, mm. how they used to. Yeah, you know, a horse and cart used to be quite lively, but you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not anymore, is it? It's um, apart from the potholes. Well, he's just announced two hundred million for those. I know for the potholes. Yes, has he? Yeah, I think I really like Jeremy. No, I'm quite proud. Very brave, Jeremy. Suddenly, he's gets certainly pandering to the Daily Mail readers, isn't he? Yes. Well, well, there you go. And why not? <laughs> and why not, Sarah? And why not? So, to Ireland, you can take sixteen liters of beer plus four mm -hmm. non-sparkling wine plus one liter of spirits plus your fags and your other stuff as well. If you're coming back to the UK and you're planning a party, 42 litres of beer plus 18 litres of wine plus four litres of spirits. Imogen's face is just <laughs> My priceless. door is just opened, thinking, wow, there you go. Are you off to, are I you am, off to Dublin? Yes, yes, yes. Why not? Well, Despite why would you not seas. go? I mean, A, Dublin's beautiful, or you could cross yes. Lair route, which is absolutely gorgeous from Fishguard. But also, mm. you know, you're taking a beautiful trip. You're going to see something mm. lovely. You're traveling gently and environmentally mm. kindly and bringing mm. back shed loads of booze at a good price. And you can read a good book <coughs> along the way. Yeah, I mean, my Irish friends would get through that in about half an hour. To well, be that fair, is but, true. Okay. Yes. Are you advocating any particular books? <laughs> no, no, not particularly. I was just thinking, I quite like a long journey oh, where you can yes. sit there and read a book. It's actually, oh, yeah. to me, that's the best thing. I, I quite like going on an aeroplane so I can sit there, yeah. you know, reading my book. But Fishguard to Ross Lair, yes. Ross Lair, I've done it a few times. It's lovely, it's actually. Really, lovely. Yeah. It's really lovely. And if you're going somewhere by plane, you have no option with who's next to you. And if there's... Mm. Well, that is true, yes. You know, mm. So is duty-free better value on ferries than it is on at airports? Well, you know me, I quite like my figures, even though I'm not very good at maths. If this weekend you were going out to watch Ireland win their Grand Slam for the first time, hopefully, mm. fingers crossed, and St. Patrick's Day is Friday, of course. If you were mm. on that well-known blue and yellow airline from, say, Bristol, mm. and it cost two people £551 return journey before you'd even put a bag on. If you were going mm. with Stenoline this weekend, it would cost £293, but you've also got your car mm. and you've got the boot and you're going to get the bargain. So it's cheaper. It's cheaper to get ferry, mm. and it should be because it's a longer journey. But not if you include having to hang around in the airport for hours. Exactly. No. Which you have to do. Mm. And then taking your shoes and socks off, feeling your norks as you go through just to check you're wearing an underwired bra, which is what always happens. I know. The, all the uncertainties of air travel all the irritations of air travel. You don't have to weigh a bag. You know, you don't have to squeeze your makeup into tiny no. things mm. plastic. I've got so many nice makeup bags. I don't want to put it in a plastic bag. So no. it's different ways. But the slight problem is, is that on those ferries, they don't have the Chanel. That's don't my they? complaint. Oh, oh, yes. So you can only get the nice makeup. At the airport. At the airport, I think. Really? No, I don't know. I don't Dallas, think you're know. right there. I think, well, you can certainly get the designer brand fragrances. 
I don't think you're right, Sarah. I don't think anyone's I'm ever wrong. said that to you. I'm wrong. I know. I'm Sarah, sorry. Sarah, you're not right. <laughs> I, how can this be? I don't know. Gary. <laughs> that's wrong. hilarious. Well, that's all Sarah wants to do is buy expensive face creams. Yeah, no, I do. I yes. just want to buy lipstick. Lipstick and face creams. Yeah. I'd love to do a session with you where I'd convince you to buy cheap oh. or value stuff. You'd never know the difference. Never know the difference. <laughs> oh, no, oh, she makeup. would. No, she no, would. no. I, I do, actually, to be honest, I wear mostly Maybelline makeup. But I have this thing when I get, which is very, very good, by the way. Yes. For some reason, when I'm in an airport or a duty-free, I, it's like buying nice chocolates every now and again. Yeah. Most of the time, I'm very happy with dairy milk. But oh, occasionally, yeah. I like a little bit of a sophisticated truffle. No. <laughs> not, a big, not a big Toblerone. No, I don't like Toblerone. It sticks in my teeth. Oh, really? I, I do remember when you had an obsession with that chocolate shop called Melt. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. That, I'm still paying off the, the debts. Yes. Sarah had a deal with the Lord that if there was a parking space outside Melt, yeah. she was allowed to go into the shop. So she, <laughs> but if the Lord had put a car in, in the way, she wasn't allowed to go in. Yes, I remember that very strongly. Yes. And the Lord <laughs> often led me astray. Yes, he did. I have to be honest. Anyway, well, thank you, Alice. Lots of top tips there. Take care. Bye-bye. That was consumer finance expert Alice Beer. If you enjoy listening to The Half Hour, why not visit mailplus.co.uk slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, video, opinion pieces and more. If you want to get in touch, tweet us at mailplus, me at Westminster Wag or Imogen at Imogen EJ. You have been listening to The Female Half Hour with me, Sarah Vine and Imogen Edwards-Jones. Thank you very much for listening. (laughs) 